Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, great to see you. Thank you very much for that welcome. Can I extend a very warm uh, <laughs> welcome to you uh, this morning? Really is uh, great to be here, great to make it through the snow. And however we may complain about the snow, you can't argue that it does make you feel Christmassy, doesn't it? Um, as for me and my household, we, we love Christmas. I get uh, daily updates from my wife, Becky, as to how Christmassy uh, she is or isn't feeling. She said to me recently, I'm just not feeling Christmassy yet. I said, look, just wait till we're through August and I, I promise you it will come. <laughs> but we, we really love uh, Christmas. But of course, at uh, this time of year, it is so important to remind ourselves what Christmas really is all about. And if you've ever asked that question, then I found out recently that you're in good company. Um, Recently, with my little boy Jack, who's two, I've been showing him some of the cartoon characters and TV programs that I used to watch when I was a little boy. And one of those characters is, is Charlie Brown, you know, the Charlie Brown, the Peanuts cartoons, Charlie Brown and Snoopy and so on. And just recently, as a family, we were watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. If you've never seen this, then um, Charlie Brown, the title's uh, character, is feeling rather glum, rather depressed at the beginning of the Christmas season because he just... Um, isn't quite feeling it. And so under the advice of his uh, friend Lucy, um, he decides that he's going to become the director of the Christmas play for all of his friends. And so he does just that. But he makes a bit of a mess of it. And so all of his friends kind of turn on him a little bit and they're uh, mocking him. And as a result, he gets even more depressed. And uh, at one point, he's actually having a chat with his friend Linus. If you know the cartoons, remember Linus is the one that's always holding his security blanket. Uh, and they're on a stage a bit like this, uh, one of the rehearsals. And Charlie Brown says rather uh, sadly and wistfully to Linus, Do you know, Linus, I guess I just don't know what Christmas really is all about. And then he cries out, Isn't there anyone who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus drops his security blanket. And he says, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. And he moves to the center of the stage, and he says, lights, please. And we hear a chum, and the spotlight floods him. And then he gives this answer, his answer to the question, what is Christmas all about? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. And then he picks up his security blanket, he heads back to Charlie Brown, and he says, that is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I love that answer. Not only because it just so happens to be my text of scripture for this morning, uh, from Luke uh, chapter 2 and verses 8 to 14 there, but also because I just entirely agree with him. That is what Christmas is all about. It is all about God the Son coming down from heaven, taking on human flesh and being born as the baby Jesus in Bethlehem. That is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But maybe you don't agree. 
I heard a story recently from Warren Lewis, the brother of the esteemed Christian author uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, Warren, or Warney, as he was known, was once on a bus in Oxford, and um, uh, the bus pulled up outside a churchyard. And Warney was just sitting there looking out of the window, and he watched as two children did what children often do. They ran ahead of their mother, and they came to a halt outside uh, this churchyard, just underneath uh, the uh, window by the seat that Warney was sitting. And the reason they'd come to a halt is because they were taken and captivated by a nativity scene that they could see in the churchyard. Uh, You know, the kind of thing, uh, Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus, um, you know, shepherds and wise men, donkeys, and so on. And then their mother caught up with them, and Warney heard her proclaim in a loud and disapproving voice, oh my goodness, they're trying to bring religion into everything these days. They're even trying to drag it into Christmas. Now, when I first heard those comments, like some of you, I was amused. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, actually, those comments aren't just amusing, they're actually pretty prophetic. I think there's many people today who might say something similar. You know, I like Christmas. I like um, Santa and the elves and the Christmas tree and the tinsel and the John Lewis advert and the chocolate and the food and the extra football fixtures and the time off. I like Christmas without Jesus. Why are you trying to drag Jesus into it? Well, if that's how you feel today, then my job is to convince you that Christmas with Jesus is better than Christmas without. But if you're here as a Christian, then it's also good for us to remind ourselves of what Christmas is all about, that Christmas with Jesus is better. Because let's face it, so many things have grown up around Christmas that actually have nothing to do with what Christmas is supposed to be about, that it can become a distraction for us. And if we're going to remember what Christmas is truly about and truly worship Jesus this Christmas, and not only that, but be motivated to speak to other people about Jesus this Christmas, then we need a reminder that Christmas with Jesus is better than Christmas without. So, whether this is to convince you or perhaps to remind you, I have three points here that show us that Christmas with Jesus is better than Christmas without Jesus. And the first one is this. Christmas with Jesus is good news for everyone. Can we say that together, please? Christmas with Jesus is good news for everyone. So the angels appear, the glory of God shines all around them, and the shepherds are scared. And the angel says this in reply, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's an incredible scene, isn't it? These angels appearing in the sky and declaring that this is good news for all the people. Christmas with Jesus is good news for everyone. But how can this be? How can this possibly be that the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago and around 4,000 miles away can be good news for me? Good news for you, good news for your friends, your family, any of you watching this online. Good news for perhaps those people you've already given a Christmas celebration service invitation to coming for next week, or perhaps some of those that you haven't done yet but you're going to this week. How can the birth of this baby be good news for everyone? Well, it's good news because of these two points. Number one, everybody needs a saviour. And number two, with the birth of Jesus, everyone is offered a saviour. If those two points are true, then Christmas with Jesus is good news for everybody. So I'm going to look at those two points. We're going to consider them. First of all, then, everyone needs a saviour. Everyone needs a saviour because everyone needs saving from sin. 
Sin is not some uh, old-fashioned concept that no longer applies these days, nor is it something made up by Christians to make people feel guilty or made up by pastors to keep people in a job. Uh, No, sin is a human reality. Everyone knows that there's problems in the world. It's just that a lot of people always want to look sort of out there to find out what those problems are. And they point to things like maybe corrupt leaders or political systems or a lack of education. But the reality is, and I think most people know this deep down, that even if we solve those issues, then humanity will still have problems. And the reason is, is because we will still be there. There is still sin in the human heart. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. It is sin in us that causes this problem. And it's the reality of sin that God wants to save us from. Not only that, sin carries a penalty. Every time we sin, we are... uh, adding to our spiritual debt, a debt we'll never be able to pay. And God also wants to save us from sin's penalty. So everybody needs a savior, and the Bi- needs a savior. And the Bible makes this clear. This doesn't just apply to a few. It applies to everybody. Uh, we read in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And in Romans 3.23 in the New Testament, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Notice it says that there. Each of us has turned away. It doesn't say all have sinned apart from uh, nice middle-class couples who have 2.4 children and low-mileage cars and foreign package holidays and uh, respectable jobs. No, you, you can't be so respectable that you don't need a saviour. Everybody needs a saviour. The Bible never claims that anybody is as, everybody is as bad as they can possibly be. But it does claim that nobody is as good as they need to be. Everybody needs a savior. Why is Christmas good news then? Well, because of the second point. With the birth of Jesus, everybody is offered a savior. And we see this in what the angels say. They say it is good news for all people. But there's another way we can see that this is clearly good news for everybody. And that's in a way that actually as 21st century uh, readers reading this in Britain, we might miss. But Luke's first century audience, they would have got this. And it's the fact that the angels first share the good news of Jesus with shepherds. I don't know about you, but when I think about shepherds at Christmas, I have quite a sort of cutesy image in mind. I tend to think of a school nativity play, a little boy dressed up in a cloak with a hood on and a little rope belt, and you can still see his white Nike trainers just through the bottom, holding a cuddly toy, saying something like, the saviour of the world has been born, or something like that. But actually, Luke's first century readers, they wouldn't have had a cutesy image about shepherds at all. If you were a shepherd in those days, you were right on the bottom rung of society's ladder. That was just the way that that occupation uh, was perceived at that time of the world uh, in that particular part of the world. Uh, We have evidence from around the time that shepherds could not actually give evidence in a court of law. They weren't allowed to. Pious Jews would not uh, buy goods from a shepherd for fear that they would have been stolen. You were, you were a nomad. You were looked down upon. You were an outcast. And who are the very first people that these angels, these messengers of God, come and share the good news of Jesus with? It's the shepherds. To Luke's first century readers, this would have just seemed so unlikely. It's like God is trying to say, look, society may want you out, but God wants you in. And this is always the way. And can I say, if you are not a Christian, perhaps you feel like you are on the outside of things. Perhaps you've been bullied or rejected or you feel like you're an outcast from society or maybe you just feel like you've never fit in. 
Jesus wants you. Jesus came for you. Jesus lived for you. He died for you. Society might want you out, but Jesus wants you in. Luke is making that point emphatically here that Christmas with Jesus is for everybody. Sometimes when the good news is preached, it's the most unlikely people that respond. It's often the most respectable people who perhaps get proud and offended and don't want to belong. I heard a story, a a preacher called David Pawson was once given the opportunity to preach live on Canadian television. And the producer said to him, you've got 20 minutes, you can speak on any subject you like. He said, well, I want to speak on the kingdom of God. It was Jesus' favorite subject, it's it's my favorite subject, so I'd like to speak on that. They were a little surprised, but they said, okay, go ahead. So he did. For 20 minutes, he spoke about the kingdom of God. And when he was finished, he came down into the television studio, and one of the runners from the TV studio came up to him and said, "Um, Mr. Pawson, there's a a telephone call for you. So he said, okay. He followed them into a room, and someone was holding up the receiver for him. So he picked up the receiver, and on the other end of the line was a woman's voice. And they said, uh, oh, hello, is that Mr. Pawson? He said, yes, it is. She said, um, I, I've just been watching your, your TV broadcast. She said, I'm a hooker on the streets of Toronto. That's a prostitute, if you don't know. She said, I've been thinking that I need to get my life sorted out. And I've just got one question for you. How can I get into that kingdom? You see, when Jesus came at Christmas, he was born as a king. We sing that every year, don't we? Glory to the newborn king. He came, he lived, he died, and when he was resurrected, he established his kingdom. And for that young lady in Toronto, the doors of society may have been shut. In fact, they may have been slammed shut in her face. But the gates of Jesus' kingdom are wide open. Christmas with Jesus is for everyone. Who is it that are perhaps the unlikely people for you? You don't have to go out looking necessarily for shepherds out there, uh, but they are a symbol, a symbol of people we think are unlikely, perhaps unlikely recipients of the good news. When we share the good news, perhaps we think they wouldn't be interested. This wouldn't um, bother them. Perhaps when we give out Christmas service invitations, we think, well, they're they're kind of anti-things, so maybe we don't need to do that. But remember, this is for everybody. So we need to get that deep down in our hearts. And maybe just think, maybe unconsciously or consciously, we've maybe excluded certain people. Who is it that we've got to think of and remember that Christmas with Jesus is good news for everyone? Can I encourage you to think about those unlikely people and to reach out to them? Secondly, second reason Christmas with Jesus is better than Christmas without is this. Christmas with Jesus is good news of great joy. Again, would you say that with me? Christmas with Jesus... Again, it says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not only does this angel say that the message is for all people, it also shows what the message will cause. It is a message that will cause great joy. Now, you might argue, yeah, but, you know, Christmas without Jesus. I can celebrate Christmas without Jesus, and surely that's a time of great joy. We generally think of Christmas as a joyful time. Well, fair enough, but laying aside the fact that actually Christmas is not a happy or joyful time for everybody, even if Christmas without Jesus could be a joyful uh, time in some sense, not in the same sense as what the angel is saying here. You see, when the New Testament talks about joy, it actually means a, a, a deeper, more significant type of joy than we often think about. 
When we use the word joy, very often we mean something a bit like happiness. We simply mean a, a good feeling that we get because of things that happen, because of external circumstances. Circumstances are going well, we feel happy, we might describe it then as joy. But in the New Testament, when we talk about joy, it's really something quite different. It's not about the external circumstances. It's actually something that comes from inside, from the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us because of our relationship with Jesus. That's why joy in the New Testament often comes regardless of the circumstances. In fact, we might even say in spite of the circumstances. In his letter, James in the New Testament tells us to consider it pure joy when we face trials of all kinds. How many people think facing trials of all kinds is a great circumstance? I certainly don't. But we can consider that pure joy. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians. You know, one of the nicknames that's been given throughout church history, the letter of joy. You know what circumstance he was in when he wrote that letter? You know where he wrote that letter from? From prison. <laughs> you see, you can have this kind of joy regardless of the circumstances because it comes from the Holy Spirit inside you because of your relationship to Jesus. Let me simplify it uh, like this. Happiness comes from what happens. Joy comes from Jesus. And this is so important. Again, if you're not a Christian, I can wish you a happy Christmas, but I can't promise you a happy Christmas because I don't control what happens. But I can promise you a joyful Christmas because I can offer you Christmas with Jesus. And with Jesus always comes joy. This is a joy that is everlasting, a joy that is deep, a joy that comes regardless of the circumstances. You might be here as a Christian and you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's all well and good, but I'm already a Christian. Does that mean I've already had my quota of joy and that's that? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I do believe there is a type of joy, a kind of level of joy that's permanent and stays with us just from becoming Christians. But I also know that the felt experience of joy uh, can fluctuate. That is, it can increase and decrease. I'm going to assume nobody here wants a decrease of joy, so let's just talk about how we might get an increase of joy this Christmas. How can we live in this good news of great joy all the more? Well, the simplest way is to get into the presence of God this Christmas. It says in uh, Psalm 16:11, you will fill me with joy in your presence. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to plan to spend time in the presence of God this Christmas. I'm going to take time out in the time that I've got. There'll be busy periods and less busy periods, but I'm going to uh, pencil in times, pen in maybe, uh, times when I'm actually going to uh, withdraw to a quiet place with my Bible and pray. I hope you never feel when we talk about Bible reading and prayer that we're trying to nag you. We're not. We're trying to help you find joy. Getting in the presence of God is joyful. I can't wait next week to um, see guests come along. And can I just say, if you're watching online, born boys, you're all invited uh, next week. Uh, I can't wait for guests to uh, come along and to uh, hopefully meet Jesus for the first time. But I'm going to come along and I'm going to pour my heart into those Christmas carols. How many people love Christmas carols? Yeah, I've been singing them to my little boy since about October. I just absolutely love them. How many joking? It's September. Um, <clears throat> But they're just so rich, so worshipful. Let's do that. Let's get in his presence. Let's feel that joy. But here's another reason we should get in his presence. It isn't just that we get joy. It's that he gets joy. Do you know that Jesus wants to spend time with you? I mean, if we don't believe that, what more could he do to prove that to us? He left the comfort zone of heaven. We don't know exactly what heaven's like, but I'm guessing you want to stay there, right? 
You know how many people um, saw the snow when they got up this morning or wanted to stay in their beds? I bet heaven's even nicer than your bed on a cold winter's morning. But Jesus, this is not a dig at anyone who didn't make it here, by the way. It was dangerous out there, okay? It really isn't. Um, but Jesus actually came from the comfort zone of heaven, came all the way down. Why? For me, for you, to spend time among us. Jesus wants to spend time with you this Christmas. I heard a story from J. John, friend of King's Gate and a, a world-renowned evangelist. Um, J. John was once traveling in India, and he'd heard about this particular lady, who was known as Sister Teresa, not Mother Teresa, but Sister Teresa, who had this gift for words of knowledge. If you don't know what that means, it means she had a gift for being able to hear from the Lord and give words that the Lord had put on her heart for other people. And J. John was keen to meet this lady, and when he met her, straight away he said to her, oh, do you think the Lord's got anything to say to me? And she quickly turned on her heels and walked away. And he was rather concerned that he'd actually offended her. Sort of worried about this. And then a couple of hours later, she came back. Turned out he hadn't offended her at all. The reason she span on her heels and went away quickly was to waste no time in inquiring of the Lord uh, any words she might have for J. John. And she came back with no fewer than 13 different words for him. And he sat as she went through the first 12, and he was absolutely reeling because uh, they were all dead on, but some of them were absolutely uncanny. Only things that only the Lord could possibly have known about him. And then she said, and finally, she was coming to number 13. Now, how many people think if you've had 12 and they were uncanny and you're reeling from it, you're eager to know what number 13 is, yeah? How many of you are eager to know what number 13 is? <laughs> well, come back next week. No. <laughs> number 13 was this. She said, and finally, God loves your company and he wants you to spend two hours with him every day. And J. John said he's been doing that ever since. And his ministry has never been the same since. Now, bear in mind, this is J. John. He's not just probably the foremost evangelist in our country, but one of the foremost evangelists right around the world. Now, what's the point of that story? Not that, obviously, that was a personal word for him, so it's not necessarily the, the two hours or something like that. But I think what's general for all of us is the fact that God enjoys our company. So why don't you get yourself into the presence of God this Christmas? Not only will it cause you great joy, but it will be great joy for him as well. Christmas with Jesus is, great, is good news of great joy. And third and finally, Christmas with Jesus is good news of everlasting peace. Can we say that again? Uh, Christmas with Jesus is good news of everlasting peace. So at the end of the passage, we see that the uh, angel is joined with a host of angels. They appear and say, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. Now, again, somebody might say, but isn't Christmas without Jesus uh, a time of peace? You know, we get time off and goodwill to all men and all that kind of stuff. Well, fair enough, but laying aside the fact, again, that actually Christmas is not a very peaceful time for many people, um, I have to say, I feel rather guilty about this, but, uh, but it is for me. I'm quite stressed out at work now, but as soon as work finishes, uh, within a few days, we're heading down to the in-laws, and uh, to be honest, it's one of the most relaxing places I've ever been. Uh, but when I think about Becky's mum and dad, it's not quite so relaxing for them. Uh, Becky's dad's a vicar, they've got a, a busy village.
village uh, church uh, thriving, and especially over Christmas, lots to do. Becky's mum not only helps out with uh, leading the church, but uh, you know she's also going to be cooking the dinner and doing all the presents and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's not like I help because I tend to go uh, with Jack and Isaac. Right, boys, nanny and granddad will look after you. Daddy's going for his afternoon nap and things like that. You know. <laughs> But uh, as I always say to them, if you couldn't handle the responsibility, you shouldn't have become grandparents. <clears throat> I'll take that laughter and applause as agreement. Thank you very much. Okay. But my simple point being is actually Christmas can be quite a stressful time for people. But even if Christmas without Jesus was a peaceful time for some, again, it's not the same kind of peace that the angel is talking about here. This is the peace that comes from God. This is the peace of God. Um, one of the, the, the most significant benefits for me of becoming a Christian was peace. Uh, before I became a Christian, I just uh, had this thing about my thoughts. They were just so restless and just, I used to just destroy myself with my thoughts. It resulted just in anxiety and worrying about things, just in not being able to settle to anything. I kind of shared with you uh, before that I used to drink a lot. I think a lot of that was down to just wanting to sort of numb this constant activity going on in my head. Now, I've shared this before on, on Alpha, but um, one of the, 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 the things that I most remember about uh, when I became a Christian was one of the most boring testimonies you'll ever hear. Okay, and I'm going to share it with you now. That's a good public speaking, isn't it? Lean forward for the most boring testimony you've ever... <laughs> But I can just remember being sat on an armchair watching television. We had this little um, Tassimo cappuccino maker thing and just drinking a cappuccino, watching television and just, just being at peace. And that's it. Okay? And you know it's not a good story when you have to tell people where the end is. <laughs> but the reason that's so significant for me is just being able to settle to something yeah. without a, an alcoholic drink. <laughs> And just being able to just, you know, lie on my bed and read a book. And how did I do it? Well, I didn't do anything. I just became a Christian. And I just found just the peace of God came on me. And I found out since this is, this is more than, than peace that we sort of see outwards, which is kind of based on circumstances again, a bit like we often use joy. The peace of God is everlasting. That's why I've added that word there. And I just found it, it just came to me. But like with joy, while there's a measure of peace I think we get just by becoming Christians, I also think we can have an increase of peace. Again, how many of you would like an increase of peace this holiday season? I found as I carried on becoming a, uh, growing as a Christian and I started to take on more responsibility both in my job and other things around church, I found that, of course, stressful situations would come about and so on. There'd be challenges. But I found I could get an increase of peace. And I found this scripture, which is still one of my favorites, uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This was so revolutionary for me. In the past, I used to lie in bed at night, not being able to get to sleep, just thinking about the five different things that were stressing me, stressing me out, just trying to strategize and, and think my way to peace. Trying to think, right, if, if I can just sort that one out and that person, then, then maybe if they don't email me before lunch, I can get that bit of work done. And then that other person, I said that thing when I'd done that, if I can get that. No, but what if that person does email before lunch? And I would just go on and I was just driving myself crazy and not getting any sleep. And who knows, not getting uh, much sleep doesn't really help you to find peace. But what I found since I was a Christian is those stressful situations are, are still there. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was on my way to work. And um, a bit like, you know, when the post just sort of 
goes through the letterbox and just lands on your doormat, all of a sudden these five stressful things just landed in my brain. I was like, oh, I hadn't thought of any of those. And then I thought, no, 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 I'm going to apply this verse. I'm not going to try and think my way to peace through my own understanding. I am going to do what this says. Don't be anxious, but petition the Lord. Put it another way. Don't worry, Tom. Pray. That's what I did. I literally just say to the Lord, just say, thank you, Lord, that you're listening to me and that you're going to hear this. Lord, I pray for situation number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. And what I found is God doesn't want me to worry. God is a father who knows how to look after his kids. So I choose not to worry. I hand it over to him. And I'm honestly telling you the truth here. Just immediately, I sense the peace of God come on me. Just an increase of the peace of God come on me. Why? Because I was applying this verse. And what happens when you do that? Well, it tells us in the following verse, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And it was that that was so key to me. What I used to try and do is achieve peace through my own thinking, my own cognition, through my own understanding. What I found is I didn't need that peace. I needed the peace of God, which transcends understanding. It goes beyond all of that. Some of you are in situations right now where, if you're honest, you can't, through your own human mind, think how you could possibly get peace. You keep trying to think about it, trying to achieve peace that way through your own understanding. You won't. Do this. Hand it over to the Lord. Refuse to worry. Put it in his hands and pray about it. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will, and I love what it says here, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The original Greek words used there, it's like a garrison. How many of you think you'd sleep better if there was a soldier outside actually patrolling and keeping away any worries you had? That's what it's saying here. So if this Christmas is looking like a stressful one for you, if you've got son-in-laws coming over who put upon you and it makes things stressful, then just put that situation in God's hand and the peace of God which transcends understanding will come upon you. Christmas with Jesus is good news of great peace. But here's the thing. You cannot have the peace of God without first getting peace with God. The Bible talks about peace from two different vantage points, the peace of God and peace with God. The only reason as Christians that we can actually receive the peace of God, this everlasting peace, this deep peace, is because we first made our peace with God. Um, <clears throat> Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that means since we have been made right with God because of believing in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, before we came, became Christians, we, were not, we did not have peace with God. Because of, as I mentioned before, the sins that we've committed, because of the sin in our heart, because of that debt that we're building up, we were not at peace with God. We were actually in conflict with God. I know from business, if a customer doesn't pay a supplier, then the supplier will put the customer on stop. The relationship will not go forward until the bill is paid or until the price is paid, if you like. And it's the same with us. Before we were Christians, we did not have peace with God. There was conflict there. Before the relationship can be restored, before it can be, as we um, sing every year, um, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, before that reconciliation can take place, what we need to do is have that price paid. But here's the thing, we, we could never pay that price for the spiritual debt that we've amassed. But here's the good news of Christmas. Jesus came down, lived his life, died on the cross for us, and paid that price for us. 
through Jesus Christ, Jesus achieved our peace with God, not through anything we've done, but what he had done. Can I put it like this? The peace treaty with God was signed in the blood of Jesus. It is only because of Jesus coming at Christmas, living and dying for us at Easter that we are able to have peace with God. And what I finally want to do is appeal to anybody here, anyone watching online who is not a Christian. I want to say to you, or perhaps you were once, but you've strayed away from things. Why don't you this Christmas, why don't you come back to the Lord? Why don't you make your peace with God? It's not something you have to do. It's simply something you have to look to Jesus and rely on him for, have faith in him for. You know, many people, when God shows up, they kind of think God is coming to get them to pay the bill. He's coming to collect the money. And they shrink back, big like the shepherds, when the glory of the Lord shone all around them, what, had, what happened? They were terrified. But what did the angel say? I bring you good news. When God comes knocking, lots of people shrink back thinking he's coming to collect the bill, but he's not. I heard a story of a pastor who was once praying in his office and an old lady in his congregation came to mind. She was a widow and he knew she was having financial trouble and that she couldn't pay her rent. And as he was praying for her, it came on his heart that he should grab some money together and he should go around and see her and give her some money so that she could pay the rent. So he did just that. He went out, he found her house, he knocked on the door, but nobody answered. The following Sunday, he saw her and he told her, he said, I came to your house uh, the other day, I knocked, but obviously you weren't in. And she looked rather embarrassed and she said to him, oh, sorry, Pastor, actually, I was in and I did hear you knock, but I thought you were the landlord coming to ask for the rent and I didn't have the money. And isn't that a sad story? She thought that when he was knocking on the door that he was there to come and collect the payment when actually what he was doing, he was there to actually help pay her bill. And can I say, many people are like that when God shows up and starts knocking on the door of their lives. Maybe he's doing that right now, knocking on your heart, knocking on your spirit. And what happens? Many people shrink back thinking, oh no, God's shown up. He's come because he wants to ask for payment. But actually, because Jesus came at Christmas, you know what he came to do? You know why he's knocking on the door of your life, on the door of your heart? Not because he's come to collect payment, but because he's already paid the bill. He wants to invite you in. He wants to give you peace with God this Christmas. Christmas with Jesus is, a, uh, is good news of everlasting peace. Why don't you make this Christmas the time when you come back to the Lord or come to him for the first time? It's available to everybody. It's good news of great joy and it is good news of great peace. Thank you for listening. <clears throat>